This is the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and we're running down some of the top stories of the week. Don't forget to check out the Daily Dive Monday through Friday for more news without the noise. Football officially started this past week, and to kick off the week, there was a story about Colin Kaepernick and Nike. Nike is using Colin Kaepernick. He's been out of the NFL since 2016. They're using him in uh, some new ads in their 30th anniversary of their Just Do It campaign. And they had a very interesting tagline for it. It says, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. There's going to be a bunch of ads related to this. Here's a little audio clip of what that's going to sound like. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. So don't ask if your dreams are crazy. Ask if they're crazy enough. They're going to do all sorts of stuff with this. They're going to release a new Colin Kaepernick shoe, a T-shirt. Nike will be donating to his charity. And at first, when the story came out, the shares of Nike began to slide a little bit. People were burning their Nike shoes and Nike apparel, saying we're never going to buy Nike again. But Bloomberg did an analysis saying that they had generated like $43 million in buzz. So many media outlets were talking about it. It was almost like free advertising. We spoke to Dan Beyer. He's the Fox Sports Radio Managing Editor for more on Nike and Colin Kaepernick. The Nike ad that was released on Monday was in celebration of the company's 30th anniversary of their Just Do It ad campaign. And it featured a picture of Colin Kaepernick. And what was so surprising about this was the Nike contract uh, with Colin Kaepernick, as you mentioned, is one thing. But Nike also has a contract with the National. Football League right. to be the official supplier of their uniforms and, and merchandise. Well, Colin Kaepernick is suing the National Football League for, in the National Football League donors for collusion. So now all of a sudden you've got this triangle, and when this ad comes out with Kaepernick's face saying, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything, this is a controversial move not only because of Nike doing it, but also because of the NFL. Is the NFL, I, I believe that they had just hoped a lot of this stuff would, would go away. And, and by stuff, I don't mean to pass over it, but we're talking about anthem protests. We're talking about Kaepernick's lack of signing. The NFL was kind of hoping to just put this in the rearview mirror, make it out of sight, out of mind, and get back to business as usual. Well, three days before the NFL 2018 season is going to kick off, one of their teammates, if you will, in Nike, brings this controversy back to center stage. And now I think that the NFL is really, really frustrated with what came out. Nike doing it on their port to, to support Kaepernick. And let's be honest, Nike's a big enough company that they could take a financial hit if there right. was going to be one. They could benefit financially from it. But it really puts the NFL in an interesting spot because right now they're kind of uh, between a rock and a hard place with this ad campaign that launched Monday. Yeah, and as you said, you know, they probably thought it would go away. The president obviously kept chiming in and and the thing just kept going. To this day, we're still talking about the protests and how the players union opposed to the new rule that the NFL was putting into place. That deal with NFL and Nike just got extended to 2028. So it's mm-hmm. going on for a long time still. Nike's going to be doing like a new shoe line. They're going to be doing some t-shirts for Colin Kaepernick. They're going to donate back to his charity. So this story will be ongoing. I I know that they took a hit in the stocks, as you said. They're a big enough company where they can weather that. Bloomberg News had said that the campaign had created $43 million in buzz just because everybody's been talking about it. It's been in the media so much already. So, yeah, this is still kind of a smart idea still for, for Nike. 
And in that slogan, you know, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything, that is Colin Kaepernick. He sacrificed his whole career to do what he believed in. And the messaging, Oscar, has even rubbed many people wrong because when people look at everything, many people would say, well, what do you say about soldiers who died in war? And is that everything? And that brings it back to all these hot button issues. For Nike, as you mentioned, there's going to be people who aren't going to be Nike because of this ad campaign or or purchase Nike. There's going to be people who now will want to buy Nike. I don't know if it's going to even out. I'm not a financial forecaster, but as you said, the, the numbers are going to go up and down. What is so interesting about this, and I think is is intriguing, is the timing of it and if the commercialization of it is going to intersect or change people's minds. Because there are some that feel that this may just be a marketing ploy or Nike's opportunity to cash in on it. And we will see how it plays out. It's not a black and white issue because there's a lot of gray areas, even though a lot of times we're talking about black and white. There are a lot of gray areas here, and this ad made it even more cloudier than ever because you have so many different lines that are crossed. To the larger issue, where is the NFL on the status of protests going on? Because I know they went back and forth a little bit. Are they settled on something right now? You said the you know the season officially starts in just a few days. There are still the opportunities for players to and for teams to remain in the locker room for the national anthem. The the sides continue to speak on the issue, and I think that's what you're going to see. The other point, aside from just the stadiums, were what TV networks were doing, and a couple of TV networks saying that they aren't going to show the national anthem prior to games. That really hasn't been a tradition in a lot of networks. Usually, if a game starts, say, at 1 o'clock Eastern Time, 10 o'clock Pacific, a pregame show will take you up to right about five minutes before kickoff. They do a little preview of the game from the stadium, and then they start. They don't usually show the National Anthem. But now, it has become such an issue that we're wondering if TV networks were going to show the National Anthem or not show the National Anthem, even though many of them didn't even do it before. But two of them had to come out and say, we aren't going to do it as, as part of our broadcast. This is how we're going to move forward. But what ended up happening just to quickly just between the teams was there was supposed to be legislation or a rule to come out for the NFL players and how the teams were going to handle the punishment. And then word got leaked that the Miami Dolphins were going to punish their players a certain way if they ended up kneeling for the National Anthem. Well, it was never agreed upon. The NFL just told the teams, come out with some sort of parameters and then we'll review them. Well, the parameters got leaked before they became reviewed and that's how this issue blew up again. But more than likely you're going to see a lot of players and teams to stay in the locker room leading up to kickoff in these NFL games this regular season. Dan Beyer, Fox Sports Radio Managing Editor, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks. We'll do it again sometime soon. Thanks, Oscar. My favorite crazy story of the week comes out of Philadelphia. There was a homeless man named Johnny Bobbitt who helped out a woman. In return, she started a GoFundMe page And they raised over $400,000 for him. Well, everything went sour. The people who raised money for him ended up stealing a lot of the money, as the story goes. The story went viral. And we spoke to Lauren Strapagill at BuzzFeed News and find out how this whole thing got started. This woman named Kate McClure, she's from New Jersey, but she got stranded on a highway without gas outside of Philadelphia. This guy, Johnny Bobbitt, apparently spent his last 20 bucks to get her some gas so she could get on her way. Now, Kate and her boyfriend, Mark D'Amico, struck up a relationship with Johnny and ended up creating a GoFundMe campaign to get him off the streets, to get him a vehicle and a home and some money so he can have a better life, which sounds like a very nice thing. And it went viral at the time. And now it's all kind of gone wayside because Johnny is saying that the money owed to him is now gone. 
They raised over $400,000. The fight is over about $200,000 of it. They say that there was actually a judge that ordered them to put it into another account so that he can get access to it. And the lawyers for Johnny Bobbitt are saying now that all that money is gone. And GoFundMe just placed $20,000 into an account for Johnny so that he can have some money while this whole court proceeding goes through. Yeah, there's been a dispute about how much money is actually missing. So the couple says they spent about 200 grand on Johnny. Johnny's saying he got maybe 75K worth of stuff. We do know that he definitely got a car and a camper, which has since been sold. And he is living back on the streets in Philadelphia. So we don't know how much money there's actually supposed to be left, but whatever the amount is, it's gone. And Johnny's lawyer says that the money that was supposed to be moved to account just simply doesn't exist. And we don't know where it is. I mean, it's such a, a crazy story. And it's one of those things that I've always been concerned about with GoFundMe campaigns and donating to these things is where does the money go? Who's actually in charge of it? And these things go viral. The story was so great. They went on to Good Morning America and BBC newspapers all over the place. They were just on the Today Show to defend themselves over this the other day. And, you know, you don't know where this is going. But GoFundMe does have this uh, GoFundMe guarantee that where they're going to help get the money go where it needs to go. But this is such a convoluted story. It's, you know, who owns it and, and where does it all go? Yeah, it really has to go through the court system right now. I mean, GoFundMe has a guarantee where if something goes awry, they say they'll donate the money themselves. But of course, it's in their best interest for this to be settled in the court. So they don't, they're not the ones that are going to be at $200,000 or more. Let's get into a little bit of the fight between the couple, Kate McClure and her boyfriend, Mark D'Amico and Johnny Bobbitt. They said that they didn't want to give him a lot of the money because they were afraid that he was going to use it on drugs. And he has admitted that the pull of drugs was very strong and he has since been using drugs again. So they wanted to keep some of the money away from him and just give it out to him slowly. As you said, they bought him a camper. He was living on their property for some time, but I guess he was just asking for too much. They didn't want to give him a lot of the money. He's accused them of squandering it on vacations and buying a new car. So what happened with their relationship? Yeah, it seems like something went very sour. I remember in one interview, Johnny was saying he felt like a kid asking his parents for an allowance. I mean, they did say on the GoFundMe page, they're going to set up trust accounts that Johnny would have access to so he could go find a job. He'd still have some money to keep him going. It seems like those trusts didn't actually happen. And there are all these accusations that this couple went and spent the money on themselves on trips or on luxury goods or on gambling. I have not seen proof of it. The local ABC station has been tracking their social media and has seen them on, you know, these lavish trips and with luxury goods. We don't know if that's where the money went. Again, that has come out in the courts, but we do know the money is kind of, just kind of gone for now. And yeah, Johnny is apparently living back on the street. He does have substance abuse issues, apparently. I think the whole thing is just kind of sad, and it does show you that when you see these viral GoFundMe campaigns, you don't truly know what's the real story, who are the people actually taking in this money. As a person who submits to donate to some of these campaigns, I would be very concerned about where the money is and and be wary of doing it in the future. Not everybody is being honest on both sides. I mean, the couple, Mark D'Amico even said he took like $500 to use it on gambling, but he paid it right back with winnings. If you're being a, a real good steward of this money for a supposed good cause, you shouldn't even be taking $500 to gamble in the first place. So it's just such a weird story. And the fight is going to be going on so that they can get his money back. 
Yeah, and frankly, unless you're a financial advisor or have one on retainer, you probably shouldn't be dealing with hundreds of thousands right. of dollars. It's a, it's a very strange position to be in, even for people who are handily and honestly. That's one of the other things that's weird about this story is that in the GoFundMe page that they put there, they wanted to give him a second chance at life. You know, they wanted to set him up with a house and a lawyer and a financial advisor so he would never be homeless and have to go through this problem again. They're saying that they were holding the money back until he gets a job and gets off drugs. And those weren't necessarily original stipulations in the GoFundMe campaign. So why are they the ones responsible for it? People were donating for him, for Johnny Bobbitt. It's such a crazy story. For someone who's living on the street and is using drugs and has the kind of life that this man has, it's going to take more than just money to turn his life around. And I think that needed to be considered as well. So yeah, I feel, I've got, I kind of feel bad for just this whole thing, really. Right. Well, we'll see how the process goes and we'll see if uh, Johnny Bobbitt ends up getting his money over this. Lauren Strapagill, reporter for BuzzFeed News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. I love it. There's so many twists and turns. Before we leave the story of Johnny Bobbitt, there has been an update since we did our interview. Miranda, what, do, what else do we know? Authorities executed a search warrant at the New Jersey home of the couple who raised that $400,000 through GoFundMe for Johnny Bobbitt. And investigators were searching a BMW in the driveway. That car was then loaded onto a truck and hauled away. And a judge ordered them to appear in court sometime next week. So we will see what happens to them. Also, GoFundMe, to their part, has promised Johnny Bobbitt that no matter what happens with the couple... He will get his $400,000. They pledged it to him. Oh, man. Somebody is in trouble. All right. Last story of the week has to do with the marijuana industry in California. They legalized marijuana for recreational use starting in January. Businesses have been booming, but the illegal weed industry has also been booming. It's like a two and a half billion dollar thing that's going on for 2018. So for more on that, we spoke to Haley Fox. She's a contributor to Vice covering the cannabis industry. Because of the cost of getting up and running under current regulations, which includes not only getting the right licenses and permits, but paying for security upgrades to your store and, you know, all the attorneys and consultants you need to make sure you cross all your T's and dot all your I's have made it very cost prohibitive for businesses. And then for customers, they're used to buying product at a certain price. And now because of all these state and local taxes, when they go into a dispensary, the same weed they would have bought last year is exponentially more expensive. So it's causing supply and demand to move more towards the illegal market. Right. With all that overhead, I mean, it's totally cheaper to operate in the black market like everybody had been doing for so long. You also talked about a a guy named William P. in your article who had been in the game for years, since 2004, even when the newly created legal market came around, it still wasn't enough for him. Some of these roadblocks that you had just mentioned, but he was making just as much money going that way. How much money was he making delivering marijuana? I believe the one you're referring to is Diego. Oh, you're right, yes. 
who's the one who was delivering marijuana. And he also has been on and off in the industry for a while, but over the last two years has ramped up production. And yeah, he was saying he drives old school style, drives, picks up pounds of it, brings it back, sells it to dispensaries. And he was saying that for each 30 pounds of flour, cannabis flour he sells, he nets about $30,000. And that's just for flour. He's also selling concentrate. We did some easy math and showed he's bringing in about $300,000 a month um, just on cannabis flour. And obviously he has a team that this money is distributed between, but it's a lot of money. (laughs) Right. But everybody gets paid under the table. There's no taxes to worry about. So it's such a lucrative business still at that point. Exactly. And you know, that's what he was saying is there's no real motivation at this point. You know, he hasn't had any run-ins with law enforcement. He hasn't had any problems with violence or robberies. So at this point, he sees really no reason to join the legal market when he's doing so well um, in the illegal one. People are also saying that some of the licensed dispensaries are also double dipping. So they're operating the front of house like a normal dispensary with your patients and all that stuff. But then in the back of the house, they're also selling a lot of weed to some of these guys, uh, like you said, like Diego, that's delivering a lot of stuff. Yes, I have heard from multiple people kind of a two-facing business going on because As we mentioned, you know, the price of legalization is so high. A lot of people who want to be operating legally and part of the regulated market find that they're just not making enough money in it. So to subsidize their income in a way, um, they're also selling or participating in other illegal aspects of the market to kind of make up the difference or help pad their income so they can keep also working, you know, under this permitted structure. And as you mentioned, even with the case of Diego, the transportation of it is so much easier. People are even using the post office, the U.S. post office to send a lot of these other things like vape pens and edibles that are, you know, you're not carrying the flower anymore. So that's has the most negative connotations because some of these vape pens, they look like regular vape pens that you would have nicotine with. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing. You know, Diego said, um, and I had heard from other people as well, that kind of the expansion of the type of products you can get, like you said, vape pens, edibles, all these other forms of weed have made it even easier to really ship or transport large quantities with less fear of detection than, you know, when you're just sending bags of weed. (laughs) California knows this and the city of Los Angeles knows this very well. They're allocating money to uh, trying to find some of these illegal businesses as well. Right now, LA has identified money. It's it seemed to become kind of a priority in Los Angeles, at least. There's about $2.3 million set aside in the budget for this year and next in Los Angeles, just focusing on the LAPD's efforts to investigate the illegal market. And this is in addition to other efforts the city attorney's office and other pieces of this puzzle are working on. And then California as a whole has been very aware of this and looking at ways to address it. There have been a few false starts to possible funding or projects that would help crack down on this. But so far, there hasn't been anything huge passed that really puts a lot of money towards quashing the illegal market. Thank you for joining us. Haley Fox, contributor to Vice. She's been covering cannabis legalization in the industry for a while now. Thank you. All right, that's it for us this weekend. Be sure to check out The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday. 
Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive Weekend Edition.